0: All right, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Juice in the Morning. I'm your host, Justin Juice Kelly. Today is a different type of Juice in the Morning podcast. The host, our uh, co-host, Johnny Boughton is not with me today, but uh, joining me via Zoom because we are nearing, I feel like, the end of quarantine, but we're still, still quarantine boys right now. Uh, joining me via Zoom is Brad Scott, friend of the show. hasn't been, has been a while since you've been on the show, man. But I'm like. There's so much for us to talk about because so much has happened since you were on the show last. Welcome back, man. Yeah.
1: Thank you. And I thank you so much for having me. I was uh, expecting my last appearance to do a lot more for my career in Hollywood because I actually thought the show was Jews in the morning. And I was like, well, yeah, I mean, I, I'd love to get into some acting,
0: but um, I'm, looking no... for
1: represent- I'm looking for representation.
0: Absolutely no connections in that way, shape or form. I, I apologize, man. I let you down.
1: Well, no, So you said with like the quarantine, we're coming to an end of it. Isn't yeah. it weird though? Because like two weeks ago, it was the apocalypse, and the only way oh, yeah. that we were gonna survive this was for everybody to stay, you know, home, and until there's a vaccine, or they're like, "Oh, next Friday." <laughs> like, yeah, it'll it'll be fine. Just
0: yeah, like. I- I'm probably one of those people that, uh, a lot of people on social media hate and, you know, I don't care if people disagree with me. I just feel like, uh, this whole thing has been a little bit bigger than what it's supposed to be because my life, I mean, I work in healthcare, so my life almost did not change at all. I went to work the same time every day. Uh, I was, I mean, we had a lot of added precautions when it came to, um, you know the masks and things like that but on top of that like we're already washing our hands like a million times a day we're already using sanitizer we're already trying to like you know do everything we can to keep things as clean as possible and then now it's just it's the only small differences is people are a lot more pissed off when they come into the clinic than they normally are
1: <laughs> so. well and uh you know uh being a comedian you know before comedian slash uber driver i would drive you know uber when i didn't have shows uh on weekends and i was in town and so since the entire industry shut down and i've been driving way more uber my life has not changed mu- much at all because yeah I-, I didn't work a lot How- as a comedian <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: they, uh, they, how's uber like is uber still going like are people still like rocking I, it out
1: so it's weird i so when you said, like, you know, you're not taking it, or you think it's been blown up bigger, I think one reason why is I think they realized if they didn't blow it up, like, it could have been way worse. And oh, what yeah. I mean by that is, so they did blow it up, right? right? And being an Uber driver, I've gotten a good sense of the demographics of people uh, where they were going through quarantine. And I would say 20% of my rides were like essential rides people Hell going yeah. to work people, and 80 percent of them were booty calls i am not even kidding like it was a lot of just uh people needed some ass and so i think if they didn't blow it up that way like nobody would have ta- you know people would have continuously still met and so they thought well if we blow it up really big they'll take it a third serious. <laughs>
0: yeah that's, that's exactly what happened in indianapolis especially um so you know one one of the things that i did want to kind of get you know into was some some of the things that we talked about you were we were going to have you on the podcast uh briefly before your um stand-up special that you were going to be recording and it was the the single dad special what happened with that you well I wasn't on
1: Jews in the morning so I didn't (laughs) get that push
0: you called you called it you called it in a uh, message back and forth together uh a a disaster I think
1: yeah so here's the thing I've this this whole single dad album slash special has just been cursed. I mean, I I don't know if it was on the cover of Madden one year and I wasn't aware of it, (laughs) but it's just I tried to record it about what is it like two years ago, maybe a year and a half ago, and the only reason I was doing it then was just because uh, the comedy club I was going to be at that weekend. it was like, oh, so hopefully you know drive up some ticket sales and we we did all right with tickets but then unfortunately the club um just wasn't i guess prepared i don't want to say anything negative so we'll just say they weren't prepared and they kind of screwed it up so we're gonna at some point in time raffle that footage that that audio off much like wu-tang did with their one album that the AIDS uh, (laughs) medicine guy bought and it's going to be called one night. No one remembers an I N and we so we, so, you know, I was like, okay, whatever, scrap. Like, you know, it, it wasn't, A serious thing, anyways, and then like that got me thinking. Like, well, I kind of do want to record an album. I've never really recorded a real album, you know. Comics all the time. When you're coming up, we'll put together a album or a video, and it's basically you record one set and you give it a a title and a name, and then you burn it a bunch of times so you can sell it. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to do a legit album, and we did it at Red Curb Comedy in Avon, and it was amazing. Like Red Curb, not no bias because I have a heavy hand in in the dealings there red curb is phenomenal like they artist first venue they they go out of the way to push you and we had a packed house and the set was great but it was more of just like my traditional stand-up which is like a hodgepodge right of material i'll talk about you know being a single dad for maybe the first 10 15 minutes and then i'll go into all types of other stuff and you close with brick in your face in scene every yeah. time yeah and so
0: it, it is a good we were, venue, by the way. Like, I mean, I, I went there, I think I saw, I think I saw you, Lisa Sears, um, Josh Springer was there, um, man, there was a couple other people. That may
1: have been, that may have been the album.
0: That, it wasn't the album, because I know that you were, like, working on something, because it was really bright, sh- it was shortly after you were on the show, and then we were going, like, it might have been, like, leading up to it. um Yeah but I know for a fact that we went and we had a blast there. My wife and I went, that was like in the midst of us going through this like uh, IVF stuff that we're like towards the end of. So it's so crazy to be talking to you right now. And we were like in the midst of having, trying to have a kid struggling to have a kid and like, she's due in like three or four weeks. It's crazy.
1: Oh, Holy shit. You're gonna have a COVID baby.
0: Yeah. I mean, I mean, technically it is a COVID baby. She, what the, the baby wasn't, uh, I guess, there was no uh, sexual relations during the COVID-19, but I guess he she's going to be- good Yeah, social distancing, great job. <laughs> she, will be, uh, <laughs> she will be born during this time, which is kind of nuts anyways. You got
1: a really good shot. <laughs> 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 you got her pregnant from six feet away. But uh, no, so that was great. And we, we had the footage and then we were, we were kind of waiting for like another good moment to do a release thing. And mm-hmm. over the course of that year, uh i last summer I went uh, around the country with my friend uh, Daniel sloss he did like he's from Scotland yeah. uh, he's a very very funny comedian uh one of literally one of the best in the world and he's known for doing a lot of heavy material and he's known for uh, doing kind of uh, long form sets is how okay. I refer to him <laughs> whereas instead of like my hodgepodge he will tell kind of a narrative and a story over the course of an hour and mix in a little bit of material here and there, but it all comes back to that narrative and kind of comes you know, together in the end. And over the summer, like the more uh, I would watch his sets, it kind of inspired me because I've always wanted to tell the story of how I became a single dad, um, which is a crazy story. I told it once on uh, the Jeff Bibbert podcast with RIP yep uh not Jeff just the podcast it's a great podcast yeah
0: Yeah, Jeff's still much alive
1: he still looks he still looks you know 21 Uh, but I never I didn't think I was going to be able to pull it off in stand up because there's a lot of heavy stuff in there as well there's heroin use there's domestic violence not by me um involving uh my son's mom and we would talk you know, after shows and stuff, and I would kind of just pick his brain a little bit about how he you know, navigates doing that heavy material, how he started doing the heavy material. And it really inspired me to do it. And then literally one night for Red Curb, we had uh, former Indiana First Lady Judy O'Bannon, oh, 83 years old. I uh, taught her to do stand-up for her PBS show. That's so cool. And it culminated in that night, but I'm not going to trust her with more than five minutes. Come on now. I don't, I don't care who your late husband was. Your current <laughs> husband's not the governor. Um, and so we needed something else for that night because we couldn't, you know, we were advertising Judy heavily, but we needed something to fill that time so that it was an actual show for the people yeah. that came. And I said to uh, Will, Will Faffenberger from the, the Smiley Morning Show here in Indianapolis who owns the theater uh, and is basically my boss. I said, why don't I try this single dad story I've always wanted to tell. I'll just, you know, put it together. I'll format it and and do that. That'll give us half hour. I got really distracted with a lot of things leading up to it. And I right. probably spent about the two hours before the show, when I got to the theater, I outlined, because I know the story. Yeah. And so, so I just I mean, kind it's, of it's, outlined. Your per,
0: it's your personal story, so.
1: Exactly. I mean. But what I learned that night was, one, it is a very – it is a very compelling and engaging. Like people are very invested in it, right? Uh, you know, at, at the end because like it it takes you on a journey of this crazy shit that happened over the course of my life over these few years. And then I also learned that I really had to like work on it and tighten yeah. it if I was going to make it an actual set. Because going back and re-watching it, which I hate watching myself. Oh yeah. Um. It's. I mean, there's a lot of there's a you could you could see that I'm winging a lot of it. Yeah. You know, like as far as putting in a joke here and there, you know, uh, I'm I'm kind of recalling the story in my head, and so I thought, well, what if I like spent? I mean, I spent two hours together, and everyone that had seen me a bunch of times from Red Curve and and people from the audience said, like, you know, I've seen you a whole bunch. I'm fucking your material, but like that's the best set I've ever seen because yeah. it was very honest, <laughs> it was very vulnerable, and it was very real and raw. And so, I spent a good two months no less than five six hours a day working on this story and building it into a set and mm-hmm. I mean it went through very it went through various uh you know phases and and adaptations to where you know I was putting in certain material here there, putting uh making, how do you, you know- how do you
0: even practice that if you let me in- like interrupt you I apologize but how oh, do no, you, you yeah. even practice that because it is long form so like it's not like you can go to open mic and practice that for, you know, the five minutes I give you or whatever.
1: No, I, what I would do is, I mean, it was, it was a lot of running through it by myself in the theater two in the morning. Yeah. Uh, literally no one else in the building, just me set up my, my phone and run it. And then what I would do is like with, cause okay. So what basically what it was, was a culmination of, Uh, you know uh, most of my material over the years Mm -hmm. and if like like there were certain spots that just made sense like at a certain point time in the story I worked as a telemarketer I wrote a telemarketing joke that I did but I didn't write it specifically about that time in my life because I worked as a telemarketer various times but it fit right there in the story you know what I mean so that was like a point where something heavy I can bring it up with this joke and you know the single dad stuff that I'd had over the years it's just figuring out where it fit in the story to best be told, so that w- it was a lot of just sitting in the you know in the green room of the theater by myself and working on it, and a lot of performing for uh, one of my uh, producers, Mark Biddy, yeah. who was a saint through that whole process because I know I was probably unbearable with <laughs> how much I was making him go out and watch the same shit over and over yeah. again and how critical we both were of it though, and I think it made it a lot better right and then I would take kind of some of the newer. Um, stand-up portions that I'd added and written, I would do some of those at open mics. Yeah. And the ending I did at a few open mics, and I did um, at the Ryan Neemiller show that we had at Red Curb. Okay. And the subject matter got it a lot of mixed reactions <laughs> at best, but they also didn't have you know the 55 minutes of story get to that point (laughs) i was trying to do it as a standalone joke because i was like oh it'll work
0: so Um, it's like it was out of context a little bit
1: bit. i mean as far as like not necessarily out of context it was just they hadn't built that relationship with me and the kid to to really be on my side with it so it was kind of just there was there were some awkward shows Mm -hmm. uh and, and there was very kind person i can't think of the name now uh, on twitter who, who wrote a really nice like twitter thread about uh the reaction i got in avon one night but yeah it was just i mean i literally just was in there every single day every single night every free moment i had i ran it once in front of a live crowd and that was in uh so somewhere in wisconsin
0: yeah how, like did you, North Wisconsin. How, how did you get in front of them Like to do that? Was it just planned?
1: I was booked to headline. Oh, okay. And actually, it was, so it was a co-headlining set with a very funny comedian named Josh Alton. Hmm. Uh, and I've known Josh for years. And so we get there. And usually when you're co-headlining, I always defer to, to experience. If you're the, the veteran, you've been headlining longer than I have, I give you the option to go first or second. Some guys want to go first they want to, either, you know, if they're not selling merch or anything, they want to get the fuck out uh, or they want the, the hottest point of the crowd, which is yeah. like the middle part of the show. Yeah. And some guys like that notoriety of going on last. Yep. So, you know, I was like, Hey man, uh, you know, I, you know, I'm going to defer to you, but I just want to give you a heads up. I'm going to be talking about heroin, <laughs> 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 domestic violence, <laughs> um, transgender uh thing so your call He's like, ah, <laughs> i think i'm gonna go first
0: <laughs> do you, do you want to go ahead and follow that or uh how do you how do you want to do this Wilton, uh,
1: wisconsin
0: there it's you go Wilton,
1: wisconsin tony foxworthy and i'm sorry not tony foxworthy uh ryan ross yeah who's a, a an up-and-coming comedian in annapolis went with me i took him um and he hosted and he can val- verify all of this um <laughs> it was I had done that bar before I remembered mm-hmm. um, because when I went and looked at their Facebook page, was like, oh, okay, I was there years ago as a feature act for somebody and it is literally standing room only packed. Yeah. And you know, Ryan has a great set, knocks it apart. Josh destroys the room. All I have to do. Now the set was not quite there. This is probably <laughs> three weeks. This is three weeks before showtime. So there's a lot of things I hadn't quite figured out. And say no more than 10, 15 minutes into my, what I planned on 45, I cut a few things to, to get it to 45, 10, 15 minutes in, no longer. I walked about three big groups of about <laughs> 30, 30 people of the, of the 80, 70, 80 that were in there. They just literally like stood <laughs> up and left. And then that fucking shook me.
0: Yeah. Oh, for I sure. Could, I could imagine.
1: And I, I mean, I finished it, but it was like, it was one of those horrible moments that like, as I'm like I'm real, I'm seeing in real time, this like where some things need to be changed.
0: Yeah, well, but well, I can't. It's, that's, it's valuable information. I mean, also the thing is, uh, people listening that maybe not super familiar with uh, stand-up comedy and the lingo, uh, walking a group of people means that. I mean, you could probably tell from the context that's people are leaving because they are tired of watching what they're watching.
1: And sometimes <laughs> people will do it to where like you know, uh like they're going to the bathroom or they'll put their phone up. They yeah. were just deliberately making it aware. Like they're making a point. They're to trying make to make, make eye contact know. with you. Oh yeah. And there's like, it's like, it's not a, a traditional showroom. So the lights are all on. I can see every single <laughs> one of them walk out. And which is actually, Josh was selling merchandise. I guarantee he cleaned up. Cause it's like, Oh fuck. We're going to go buy something from you to spite him. And,
0: no, uh, that's. that I
1: swear. Last part, I swear to God, I'm standing outside with Ryan smoking a cigarette afterwards. Now I will say there was about a group of 25, 30 that were really invested with oh, me yeah. and kind of like kept me in it. But after the show, I'm standing outside smoking a cigarette with Ryan, and this woman comes out and she goes, "That wasn't funny." <laughs> like, well, you know, comedy's subjective, and I, it's not supposed to necessarily be funny. I, you know, and she goes. No, but it was just, it was sad. Like, it's <laughs> a comedy show. And I, I realized, like, that was also the wrong venue. I sprung that whole experience on those people. They didn't come in prepared. There was no sort of, like, you know, preparation. And that was a huge mistake.
0: Right. That, I mean, it's crazy because, you know, when we talked the first time, I was like telling you like, Hey, I've got this due date and I plan on, I plan on doing up. I plan on going up to open mics and things like that. I did about, I want to say like 20 to 25 open mics before this whole like pandemic stuff started. And I actually even, um, it was actually people, everybody tell, told me this going into it. They were like, it's going to be really hard with a wife, man, especially you going through that whole stuff with like the IVF and the, the pregnancy and things like that i was like no it's not gonna be that big a deal she's really cool about it no big deal but then i was coming home like super late all nights of the week um staying out probably drinking after the shows a lot so uh like right even before the pandemic stuff started i had like sat down with her and i was like all right well i'm gonna take a break from now until the baby's here then we're gonna have a few months where we get um you know under control and feel like we know what we're doing with this baby thing and then I might try to go back out it's going to be tough (laughs) it's going to be tough man it it might be I might end up being one of those guys that's just kind of like the hack guy that goes every now and then just for the fun of it because I still will love to do it and I still love to write and all that stuff but I'm never going to be able to actually put a lot of time and effort into it I don't think.
1: Oh, I I don't look at this hack. I look at those like crack, like crack themes. Every yeah. time I see those comics, <laughs> who who are gonna go work at UPS for just a little bit, you know, and do mm-hmm. local shows for a little bit, so they get you know whatever squared away. Yeah. And then they'll get me right back into it. And then like I don't see or hear from them for six months in comedy, and they just pop back up at an open mic like hey man. Right. <laughs> Y'all got, y'all got some time, y'all got
0: I'll, some time for me. I'll be I'll be very open about it I'll be very open and say like hey you know this is not comedy is not my number one thing but it's something that I'm so invested in and I love all the group of people all the people I've met through this whole thing that I just want to be a part of it so I'm I'm at least going to be in the crowds uh, supporting you guys
1: well so I say there's three things that kill the career of a lot of comics um, big three if you will there's uh relationships mm. kids and day jobs
0: <laughs> which is like, like check all three boxes for me
1: exactly <laughs> so but again you're not so you're you're excellent at podcasting like that's why i asked you and asked you several times over this past year to be on your show you're really yep. good at it i mean that is that's a good thing for you because you you have a creative outlet where you can be right. funny you can do creative different things um, and you can still go pop up, like, you know, you obviously can't do a full comic schedule schedule, but why would you want to right. like, look at, look at our lives? We're yeah. miserable fucking people. <laughs> I mean, we we're just, we're the worst. Like, and I like, that's why I drive Uber. It's not a fun thing to do. It's not a job to be proud of, but until I can get to a point where I don't have to, I'm not going to accept any other job because I'm worried it's like a trap for me. Mm-hmm. Like you haven't been. How old are you?
0: Thirty-two.
1: Thirty-two. Okay, I'm thirty-seven. Yeah. And you started comedy last this past year, right? Yep. I started when I was like nineteen or twenty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I've never, never taken a break. Right. I've never like got, I've never no matter even when I found out I had a six month old child. Yeah. Like my taking a break was like. I'm only going to go to Illinois and Kentucky and Michigan. Like I'm not going to go crazy and go like to Florida gigs anymore. I'm not going to go 400 miles miles. away. (laughs) Yeah. Stand up has always been my first priority when it comes to any sort of job career passion, because like I can't see myself or imagine myself doing anything else and being happy. I could easily be a salesperson, but I don't think, I would make way better money. Um, but that's what I'm, I'm going through the sacrifice of that. Now it's why a lot of comics fall out because of the day job is because, you know, it is very tempting to live comfortably. Right. I mean, that's, it's a very tempting thing. It's not fun to scrap by, you know, uh, financially, but I believe in myself enough to know that if I can have just a job like Uber that, gets me by
0: yeah supports at some point
1: in time yeah it'll be worth it and i'll feel like it paid off and you know if i'm wrong i'm wrong but i can't i'd rather i'd rather live the life of going i can't believe i was wrong about that than to go i can't you know, to wonder if I was wrong.
0: Right. You mentioned uh, during that conversation with that lady in Wisconsin that comedy is subjective. That leads me to, like, that question that I wanted to talk to you about a little bit because you turned me on to your podcast. I knew that you had been doing a a bunch of different stuff. I didn't know exactly what you were doing specifically, but I downloaded a bunch of episodes. You have Drew Lynch, Brent Terhune, Josh Springer, many, many others that I noticed. Uh, Tell me more about subjective comedy, and did it come from, like, a conversation like that? The the title?
1: Um, no, actually. So I've been doing I've been what do you call what do we call podcasting? Yeah,
0: you've been podcasting.
1: I've been po- I see it feels so weird. <laughs> I've been podcasting for about, I don't know, maybe six, seven years. I yeah. started with uh, a guy who used to come out and watch me do stand-up at one liners comedy club he used to be in Greenwood. Um was like a pretty big fan of mine, asked me to do a podcast with him and a buddy of his. And I was like, you know, all right, sure. You know, I've always wanted to try and this wasn't at the time period when everyone had a podcast, you know, yep. it was just
0: I, I've seventy, eighty percent. I've said it on this, uh, I've said it on this show before. I have gotten into everything at the exact wrong time when everything's already flooded. I started <laughs> podcasting about five years ago, and uh, five years ago was when it kind of just like blew up and every single person in the world had a fucking podcast. Yeah. Then I decided to it- yeah then I decided to try to do up when I was 32. And that's when every single person I feel like in Indianapolis is going to do open mics, you know, seven nights a week. And I was like, all right, well, I'm, de- I'm and definitely the
1: world shuts down. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> and then, and then when the world shuts down, I'm like, ah, I should do a Twitch channel. Cause I'm working on building a computer <laughs> right now. And there's like a bazillion <laughs> fucking people doing Twitch. I'm just getting, I'm just getting a, am uh, getting screwed by the numbers, man. That's what it is. That's the, the I'm Captain I'm, hindsight. I got, <laughs> that's one of my favorite fucking episodes of South Park too. But hey, yeah. I'm
1: going to give you some good stock tips after this episode. Yeah. Like Apple, it's a company on the right.
0: <laughs> I have a good feeling
1: about uh, Apple.
0: I'm you, really, you, really strong. You've heard, you've heard of Amazon, right? That's something you need to get into right now. Uh,
1: Amazon, but uh, no. no, so I, so the, the movie the, or the podcast we did was a movie podcast. It was called The Showdown Podcast. I believe you can still get it. I I think I actually heard of that, Yeah. Yeah, it was uh, basically it started off with the concept where me and this guy would each pick a movie from a genre and debate it. And our mutual – well, I actually met him the first day we did the podcast. But his big black friend who went by Black and Angry, Vic Miller, (laughs) uh, at Black and Angry, B-L-A-Q and Angry, um, he was the judge, the referee, right? Okay. So it was The Showdown and the first probably seven eight episodes are garbage i mean it was like doing stand-up for the first time again it's like i feel like i kind of like in my mind like i could kind of feel that like i might have a a, i might have a a sense for this like i might this might be something i have like some sort of natural talent for but i have absolutely no fundamentals and i know i'm bad at it at the start yeah but i feel like it's something i could pick up and get and so we got to about seven eight episodes and i remember i went home to my girlfriend after recording one day and I just went oh this fucking show is trash I said I don't know I don't know if I can keep doing it it's so bad and it's I go it's it's not fun and so I basically came to the next recording and was like I have an idea let's flip it up you guys battle each other and I will be the ref because then I can be more of the host Mm-hmm. and I could pick and choose my spots to kind of you know be funny and you guys have more se- same sensibilities uh with things and, and with entertainment anyways and when we did that it was a drastic change and the yeah. show got good I still think there's some of those episodes that are really really good and we started having like a formula me berating uh one of my co-hosts constantly <laughs> and uh you know we we've we did a like we started, we all started getting way more comfortable. You know how it is. Yeah. Uh, when sure. you build a show, you hit a comfort level. And then uh, Brent Trujun, who you mentioned uh, earlier, we've known each other for probably at least 10 years. And we discovered randomly that we were both big pro wrestling fans. We used to go to Ryan Neemiller's apartment and watch all of the wrestling pay per views. Yeah. And he, he just texts me one day and was like you want to start doing a wrestling podcast i was like sure yeah. so we started wrestlemania it was the <laughs> comedy pro wrestling podcast we were the pro wrestling podcast that didn't take itself too serious yeah we, we we made fun of a lot of it we did a lot of we did an entire episode on the hulk hogan gawker trial because we i was smart and quick enough to record the audio cuz i found a stream of it somehow by chance <laughs> a live stream of it live <laughs> um, we had audio of Hulk Hogan on the stand in a court of law, wearing a black vest and a bandana, saying, "I do not have a ten-inch penis. No, I do not." <laughs> oh no, you're talking about Terry Bellet's, uh penis. This we <laughs> on the show we were talking about Hulk Hogan's penis. <laughs> Terry Belay's penis is not ten inches, and so we literally did an entire episode on that, and it was a we built a really good following, and yeah. uh, you know started like picking up steam, and then I got to a point where I was sick of talking about movies and wrestling all the time and so I wanted to do kind of a third podcast that was just my own thing I wasn't gonna really I didn't I wasn't gonna focus on the social media or you know heavily promoted or anything it was like a passion thing that was just me to kind of uh, vent and we started off calling it my way my way podcast and it was it it basically became me just giving revealing way too much of my personal life (laughs) and just talking a lot of shit that was all true but still probably should not have been said um about things in comedy and the subjective comedy title came because after i told a few people about it i just felt like such a douchebag saying i had a podcast called my way so i was just (laughs) like that is the douchiest fuck how did i not realize it earlier and i was like well i always say when people you know majority doesn't think i'm funny well comedy's subjective yeah exactly executive comedy and it wasn't exactly. taken so uh i jumped on it and no, now I- it is my only podcast but it is something i've become quite proud of even beyond like the drew lynch uh daniel sloss you know ryan emiller's episode comes out uh today or tomorrow Hell yeah. um to June's episode i'm actually super proud of a couple episodes that we did uh there's one called falling into homelessness
0: yeah and it's I a two-part episode a couple parts on it right
1: yeah, it's I was driving Uber one night last summer or the summer before, and I picked up a girl. The ride came through for her husband. He sent me a message immediately, he said, You're picking up my wife, Erin. And so I pick her up at like some, you know, broken down, deserted gas station. Pick your pick one from the east side. Yeah. And <laughs> she gets in my car and tells me that I've just picked her up from being homeless for the past 19 days, and that Jesus. this is like her third or fourth stint being homeless. And she started telling me kind of the story behind it. And I was just like, she, she honestly didn't want to go home to her husband either. Because I guess one of the reasons why she you know left um, was it wasn't a good environment. I said, well, why don't we go? I said, this story needs to be told. I said, it's incredible. Why don't we go record a podcast? So we went to a, first we started at like a little veteran, Veterans Memorial in Greenfield, Indiana. Holy and then uh, it started to get a little louder. So we had to move to like a park to where it was quieter. But her story was she was uh, 18, went to the army. She was a combat medic and she was overseas in a truck that got bombed. She fucked up her shoulder really bad. And like, she showed me like, it's, you could visibly see Yeah. it's a huge indention in her shoulder. She had over 37 surgeries on it. Over Jesus these years. Got addicted to painkillers, obviously. For sure. Uh, the, the VA took away her benefits. And so because of her medical knowledge, she started doing small amounts of heroin mm-hmm. to compensate for the painkillers and got addicted to heroin, became homeless, was sleeping under bridges, was assaulted several times. And in between all that, there's so much even crazier stuff. Like after she was, you know, honorably discharged from the army, she uh, volunteered to be uh, part of the Katrina help where she's like, you know, rounding up dead bodies. In Jesus New Christ. And uh, worked for some sort of uh, law enforcement agency where she was breaking up a domestic dispute. Opened up a closet, and the little girl, you know, of the the two people in the domestic dispute, shot her because her mom had given her a gun and told Jesus her, "Jesus like, Christ, shoot!" And so she got shot in the arm. It's a, it's a fucking insane story, but she I gotta tells get, it so well.
0: I gotta get down on that one, man. I, I downloaded a bunch. I didn't really look into that one as much, and now I'm gonna go back and I'm gonna go look at it. That's fucking. It's crazy. one of the
1: best stories I've ever heard, and, and she tells. I mean, obviously not best, but craziest stories I've ever heard. And yeah. She tells it really, really well.
0: Yeah, and I get what you're saying with best. Like it's like one of the most intriguing things. Probably it should be a movie. Yeah, for sure. Um, damn, Starring dude. Tom
1: Cruise doing his own stunts. <laughs>
0: Man that's uh that's pretty nuts and it's crazy that that just kind of like kind of almost happened to you like it wasn't like you were searching that out it kind of no. almost like it was drawn to you. Um, and the
1: the episode I think you to the right before or right after that witchy woman in Austin um I was in Austin Texas uh for Sloss's recording a special I think it's going to come out some point soon. Um, and my Uber driver back to my hotel one night we were talking she was in a band and this is when I was really like Revamping up the podcast, and I heard my uh, producer Brad Shoemaker of Creative Zombie Studios just in my ear going, "Content, we need content." <laughs> and so I was like, "Hey, would you ever, would you want to do an interview?" So she came to my hotel room the next night to do the interview. And halfway through the interview, she tells me she's a witch. Jesus! And then does a tarot card reading right there. Yeah, just on oh, my lap.
0: I gotta I gotta do a tarot card reading, dude. I have to. I'm very very in for that.
1: It was fun. It was a lot of fun. I don't believe in any of that shit. But it was a lot of fun. It
0: was a lot of fun. I believe I believe there's some sort of energy out there. I don't know for sure what it is. I can't say that it's a specific religion or whatever, but there's energy in the world because this pandemic stuff is horrible, but at the same time it didn't slow. I didn't slow my momentum. Like a lot of my friends and a lot of people I know in the podcasting world and like in the content creating world, kind of like they halted too, even though now they have more time than they've ever had to continue to do this, they stopped. And like, to me, that energy that I talk about all the time on the podcast of the world and like momentum and things like that, The juice. as soon as, yeah, the juice, as soon as you stop that, it's really hard to get it going back up again, but if you keep it going, it's not that difficult. It just feels normal. I, um, I've equated it, and then I sound like a super douchebag by saying this. I've equated it to kind of like uh, habit forming, like the gym. Like the gym now, it's like if I don't like because I haven't worked out like at the like lifted weights at the gym for like a long time. So my new normal now is running on the treadmill, doing like some light weights at the therapy gym of where I work. That kind of stuff, which is real light, low impact stuff. And I'm still staying in shape, but it's not that same feeling. But even if I skip one of those days, it feels weird that I skipped it. Same with the podcast, same with content, things like that. If you if you stop it and you have that momentum, it'll feel weird. But then if you let it go long enough, that whole thing will go away. And then you gotta get that whole train started again. It's tough. And and uh, then when
1: they say thirty days to build a habit?
0: Yeah. If you like if
1: you do something for thirty days, it becomes a habit and it's just getting to those thirty days in your eye like Honestly, I think the biggest issue I have found, and that's why Corona, like I agree with you, I think it's been for content creation, it's been the complete opposite of a tragedy is finding people that, you know, to have the time to do a show. And that's, again, I was able to corner friends of mine.
0: Yeah. I-, yeah. I mean, you were talking about that. There's a uh, quite a bit of people that typically don't have the time to do that kind of stuff, or it's just, e- it's easier for them to tell you that they don't have the time. Trust me. I have friends like that. I'm not talking about your friends. Um, no,
1: you probably are,
0: <laughs> but no, I've had, I've had tons of friends or people that um, you know, are always like, Oh, you should have me on the podcast. i not be like, Oh, I'm, I've got this weekend open. Cause somebody decided to bail on me. Oh, well I, I can't do it that weekend. It's like, okay, well, that was your weekend, so we'll figure it out in a couple of weeks.
1: Yeah, and that, uh, that's one of those things where it's, it's just always like, you know, there's I, – I used to say, like, there's always a reason not to do the most basic things nowadays when it's – when you, when you look at yourself, and I'm guilty of this as well, when you look at yourself, it's, it comes down to either laziness or, you know, like when people tell you they're going to email you something, okay do it right now yeah like you literally have the device in your hand in front of me no i'll do it when i get home tonight it's like <laughs> oh, fuck. i'm gonna have to like text you tomorrow aren't yeah. I, because i'm not getting that email
0: tonight well, I, where it's i was super appreciative of you because even when i was like kind of tooling around in the open mic scene i sent you a couple of jokes and you sent me stuff right back
1: yeah i try i try my best now i do have i do have certain periods uh you know where life will get to me a little bit and I got to kind of, I cocoon myself, Yeah, which is kind of what I've been working on um more uh this year is not falling into those, right. you know, bunks or whatever. But yeah, I've always tried to like, if somebody messages me, I try to my best to message them, you know, right back. Yeah. And I, because it's just so easy. And nowadays it feels like a weird thing where it's almost like people are making a statement. Yeah. And then they forget. And so then you have to message them again. You feel like an asshole, but it's like, well, no, if you just would have answered the text the first time, (laughs) we wouldn't be in this predicament. (laughs) Hashtag we're all in this together.
0: For sure. And really quick, noticing what you're wearing on the sweatshirt, the transparent shirt uh, at Brad Scott Comedy, what, what where is this coming from also i know i've i know kind of the backstory because i follow your instagram i follow your social media uh as soon as you're on the juice in the morning show you become kind of part of the family so i try to promote stuff i try to share stuff i see um but kind of explain look i am <laughs> <laughs> Jews in the morning, all right
1: Jews in the
0: morning <laughs> but no, uh tell us like where where that shirt's coming from, and kind of give me a little bit of background about that as well as and dive as deep as you want into it. I don't know how you feel about that kind of stuff
1: uh so do you remember when I told you I was working on part of the show that was kind of making it awkward when I was doing it in just the small pieces? yes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so my uh, my son was born my daughter mm-hmm. and about i've had sole custody for the past six seven years we have not literally seen or heard from his mom and That's about so two nuts. years ago um yeah about two years ago but that they would actually give me custody i know like <laughs> i couldn't believe it either
0: that was the first thing and then the second <laughs> thing was that they haven't been around in six years
1: yeah uh <laughs> it was cps no uh, they're wonderful people they actually are but no, two years ago, um before he, he you know maybe knew or maybe even told me that he identified as a boy, um he told me that he liked girls instead of boys, and he was a lesbian, mm-hmm. uh, which again, I'm working to make sure I always use the right pronouns, but that's just such a weird set that he was a lesbian
0: right, and also, just to let you know, like if I fuck something up, Don't, no
1: no, no, definitely he, let
0: me know because I'm not way. scared of it.
1: I have I have I have told him over and over again, and we've not told him over and over again like he needs to be told. But we've talked about it, you know, where you have to give people the chance to be understanding, and if people aren't making mistakes out of malice, then or you know, with you know, like with it's bad intentions, intent. yeah, exactly. Um, so I, I've never gotten on anyone for that right. ever because again, I still fuck up. Yeah, um, but two years ago, he told me he's a lesbian, and happiest day of my life you know because uh and this is this is out of the act so i hate doing it but it's just a snip snippet i said you know like when they say you have a boy you gotta worry about one dick when you gotta girl, you gotta worry about all the dicks i'm like nope down the loophole gotta worry about zero dicks and so uh i was you know we smoked cigars i,
0: I hate and- also i hate that fucking that saying. And if somebody says it to me, the first friend of mine that says it to me, I'm slapping the taste out of his mouth. I'm telling you right now. Cause like, I just hate that saying, like, it's so stupid. Yeah. And I know how terrible of a man I was when I was younger or how terrible of a boy I was when I was younger. I still, I, I don't think I think, I don't think I ever said that, that phrase. And I'm just gonna, uh, I'm just waiting for it, man. I, I, I'm going to be too, I'm too soft, man. I think people are going to give me too much shit and I'm just gonna I'm gonna feed right into it because you're
1: not slapping people <laughs> <laughs> give yourself some credit juice
0: yeah uh, I don't know I'm, I'm I'm worried about it because like I said uh I don't I when people fuck with me like a lot of like like close friends I'll fuck with them back but like people I don't know real well I'm gonna it's gonna be tough dude because I I usually kind of let things just kind of slide right off my back and I don't really care but stuff's gonna bother me I think Really? i
1: talking about with the kid. Yeah. yeah.
0: When I have mine.
1: Uh, you know if it's a boy or a girl?
0: It's going to be a girl. Her name's going to be Elliot okay, May. So,
1: so the the weirdest thing I, I I thought more than anything, more than even that stupid saying, is when people would go uh, like, oh my gosh, she's sober. You're going to have to, you know, you're going to have to be careful with her. I'm like trying to fuck my daughter like what the hell are you talking about or are you just telling me that she's gonna be a slut like this is a weird compliment to give like oh you better be careful. Well, no or I could just, you know, and her, you know, build her up with good sensibilities and trust her. Uh, maybe I'll try that.
0: And build up her dignity and uh, and. Yeah, self-
1: like self worth. Mm, she's she, she's gonna. Yeah, you're gonna have to be careful. She's, no, fuck you. It's weird. Um,
0: yeah, and, I'm just waiting no, so, for those things.
1: Oh yeah, they're they're, they're coming. Um, and so I was happy she was a lesbian. and the first thing I did was hug her. And um, you know, I built even like some material around it. And so with I uh, with her permission. Yeah. And I'm using sure. her because I'm in the past tense now.
2: Right, for sure. Um so
1: with with her permission. And then fast forward to last winter, like Novemberish, December ish, um we were talking. I don't remember if we were in the car. No, 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 we were at home. And he goes, uh hey dad uh, I don't feel like a girl like I can't really explain it it's I don't know if it makes sense but like I don't I feel uncomfortable in the girl's locker room I don't feel you know I I don't feel like a girl I feel like I'm a boy that's trapped inside a girl's body Mm -hmm. and so I just hugged him again immediately because uh, you know I I love my kid unconditionally yeah and people have said like, is, was it, you know, hard? And I'm like, no, it's my kid. Why would it arouse me? Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Like, no, it was not hard. It was literally a split second decision. It was the, it was the easiest thing in the world to do because I love my kid unconditionally and I support my kid no matter what. And.
2: <laughs> I'm Sorry that I, got me. <laughs>
1: Uh, and uh he's i'm gonna make him watch that part he's gonna gonna be hilarious such such an idiot but no like i wasn't ever it was just immediate support and when people say this is a very ignorant thing i've heard uh what are you gonna do in five years you know if she changes her mind i'm like well first of all it's not how that works right secondly uh his preferred pronouns are he and him respect that and if you don't think it's that big of a deal call someone's dog the wrong gender.
0: yeah exactly
1: her name is daisy
0: <laughs> i dude i get on my wife's uh dad all the time because he always calls our dogs females and i don't know why i, I don't know why i correct him but i do
1: <laughs> yeah and as long as you do the same with your child's pronouns you're good The they was and like it, it's just one of those things where it's like if i if he let's say he gets to a point three years from now whatever and he goes i think i may have been wrong like okay just continue to support him like that's not that hard to do and you're
0: gonna, you're gonna give him a hug and and figure it and out not
1: get erect and <laughs> no, like, it's one of those things where it's like also you're not giving my kid enough credit because you're saying that like he just did this as like a fad. Right. first of all, anyone who knows anything about the transgender community, that's not really a bandwagon people are jumping exactly. off. Exactly. Like, <laughs> it's one of the most for, for wrongfully viled and hated communities. It's one of those communities where other people who hate each other will come together to hate this group for some reason. For sure. And I've always looked at the risk. I always, I try to look at everything in life as risk reward and, to me, like the risk if if I fully and openly and publicly support my son and he ends up whatever, like right down the line, things change, what mild, you know, embarrassment. It would I mean I'd have to be embarrassed first, but people would people would perceive it as mild embarrassment. Right. Whereas if I go the other way, don't support him and chose not to go do research as soon as he you know told me this so that I could try to have a little bit of, uh of knowledge behind it. The suicide rate is three times the average of you know non transgender kids mm. so he feels alone he feels like he can't be himself and he possibly you know goes into a deep depression like the the downside of that to me was way worse than right. oh, if he if he does end up feeling like maybe he you know was was wrong in this then you know whatever i'm i also again i trust my kid my kid has never said or done things to be a part of a fad he's actually been a lot of counterculture and he just I, if you if you know my kid it makes all the sense in the world that he's a boy he's a fucking slob like <laughs> you know like and uh i think honestly the whole gender thing is becoming you know more you know Fluid. It's not. It's not a set and stone. We kind of realized that, like, putting gender roles into people was kind of dumb because people are individuals, and to stack them in this way. And these kids, by the way, are not the ones that are bothered by any of this.
2: Right. He had
1: one kid at his school who he's now friends with, yeah. who was like kind of giving him shit and antagonizing him. But my my kid's strong enough to handle himself. It's been the adult reaction that has surprised me the most because yeah. it's like these kids, you know, they. They don't care. They just want each other to be able to feel like themselves and be happy. And so.
0: And there's a lot of, there's a lot, there's a lot of dumb fucking people out there. I mean, it's, I see it every, I see it every day. Um, I added a shit ton of people on Facebook just so I could add them to my Facebook page and make sure that I'm growing those numbers and uh, just straight through the timeline. uh, This person hates this person or this person hates Trump. This person hates the other side. This person, like it's just, everybody hates everybody. Um, and it's like y'all
1: know both sides are fucked
0: up (laughs) I mean if you just walk outside you know everybody's fucked up and these people like that was one of the biggest realizations I had in the last year um, in the career field and just in like personal interpersonal relationships with people when I was like When I was probably like a kid till about 18 or 19 or 20, I thought everybody had it figured out that was older than me. They all knew what they were doing. I always respected every boss I had. I was like, oh, they. They clearly are the expert. They are the one I should go to for questions. And now, like, as I've gotten older and I'm getting to be about 30, like, in my 30s, and I'm starting to kind of work my way up career-wise, work my way up, like, relationship-wise. You're that guy
1: that people are coming to.
0: Exactly. And I don't know what I'm fucking doing most of the time. I'm just making it up as I go along. And, uh, you know, fake it till you make it. And things kind of typically work out for me. Uh, I feel very, very fortunate to have the stuff that I have. But, you know, that's – it's just – it's but you come into contact with so many dumb people every single day and uh and, and people aren't accepting and really i wanted to go a little bit longer but we kind of have hit our hour um i've got a relative in town that's actually using the podcast room as their uh guest bedroom so i just wanted to let you know that uh i wanted you to um plug diy jokers because it's on the background that you have right now and re- and talk about red curb comedy and then maybe give like your social media and stuff before we get out of here
1: yeah the so social media is brad scott comedy on all platforms every it's real
0: easy to find
1: yeah every social <laughs> media yeah exactly and uh yeah some people are choosing not to uh find it <laughs> but it's every platform is brad scott comedy if i'm on the, if i'm on there that's what it is yes. and um red curb comedy is the theater we were talking about earlier with will Faffenberger from the Smiley Morning Show. It is truly an artist first venue yeah. that has complete creative freedom uh, for the performers. And it's, I mean, it's be, it's my home club now. Uh, I had a little spell where I was like home clubless. And so now, you know, uh, it wasn't because, you know, I was addicted to heroin and, uh, <laughs> you know, was bombed in, in Iraq, but it, it was because uh, it, it's it's a very you just it has such a you you were there you had yeah. such an energy about Good it feel um it's just yeah it's one of those small intimate venues that just people love and diy jokers is just a comedy collective um that myself Brenter hewn and dave landau started um over the years we've always we the three of us have always been very close friends and uh whenever we'd be together or even just like you know whatever like one of the things we talk about we found we talked about the most was just how, you know, comedy's kind of fucked up in some ways. And one of the ways was comics aren't ever really treated, you know, like they're the priority of shows or of venues. And we're supposedly kind of the, the, the main part of it. Yeah. And so we thought, why don't comics start coming together more and watching out for our own? And why don't comics start getting, e- e- you know, each other equal fair pay on, on shows? Like I, I can't, when I first started on the road doing bar shows, it was a hundred dollars to feature 200 to headline it's still that way in a majority of shows and that's insane yeah so we 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 started working on putting together There's a thing
0: kind of called uh you know inflation right
1: exactly yeah (laughs) well not not in this business uh which is why it shut down so quick yeah but they you know we we booked some shows and uh we typically typically depends on the venue um pay double 200 to feature 400 to headline um and we get good accommodations. We don't just go to Priceline and go lowest to to highest price and pick the cheapest hotel. Um, it's a very artist first collective. And it's just, it's a shared branding. Uh, we each have individual, uh, I don't know if you see that brand. We have the main logo. We each have individual logos as well. And you could go right, uh, Basically, I put in the, I'm doing all the groundwork and I'm using their credibility. Um, <laughs> they want to be a part of it, but they don't, you know, sincerely don't have time to invest. Well, for I'm sure. I'm like, I've got nothing but time. I will build this from the ground up, but I'm going to need to use your uh, name. like so They've been on board. <laughs> yeah. And right now we are doing some very cool. Last thing I'm going to plug. Um, so if you go, we, we finally launched our online store. Yes. Uh, thank you, Teespring for giving every comedian a store now um <laughs> and it's teespring.com slash stores slash diy jokers and that's where you can get the individual merch the single dad merch the angry redneck merch and the man dave landau merch and every cent that we make in profit from now until when they open back up we are donating it to the staff of the helium comedy club in indianapolis Hell yeah um because that is a comedy club that truly cares about its comics as well and so we want to do our part to try to take care of them and we're also going to be making uh, a team donation to red curb uh, as well
0: send me uh send me that link because i'm gonna i'm gonna take a picture of us right here and then i'm going to post that and then i'll i'll put the link on the uh the the title and all that stuff so like hey we'll do this like a pose for like two seconds All right. (laughs) Um, But no, I think that's, all that stuff's awesome, dude. We need to, you and I need to kind of talk off the mic too at some point because um, knowing that you have like kind of a podcast thing going on, um, we've got, I've got a buddy that's producer is producer BJ. We're in a new location. Um, Flyover Media is kind of like our network slash just group of people that all do podcasts together. So I think, combining powers always can make things better so we just we just need to absolutely. stay in touch buddy um
1: be- oh absolutely and we need to have you on subjective comedy
0: yeah for sure and i'm more than happy to do that and honestly i'm not too worried about the pandemic so if you want to do that anytime just let me know <laughs> and- dude
1: i i me either and i yeah i, I sincerely now you're gonna get annoyed with me because i'm yeah. just gonna be like at your door at like 3 a.m. And just being like, I'm ready to record, Juice.
0: (laughs) But, yeah, I appreciate you doing this, man. It's always a fucking blast to talk to you. Um, We will get together soon. And everybody listening, uh, make sure you go follow Brad Scott Comedy on all social media. And then also you just follow Juice in the Morning. I mean, if you're listening to this, you probably already are. But if you're a new listener, we're on all social media at Juice in the A.M., and uh, I'm putting out a uh, Thursday show now and talking about getting deep, man, on your podcast. I uh, I talked a little bit about not knowing my dad on the Facebook Live. And uh, one of the people posted, like, took some cojones to talk about that on Facebook Live. But it's it's not something that really... It's not something that really bothers me, and really what I'm trying to do with the Facebook Lives on Thursdays um, at 7 o'clock Eastern Standard Time is to interact with people and talk about these things that might be a little bit deeper and kind of build a community because, you know, the podcast, the numbers are – important but also building that community is more important because you're going to have a lot more mobile of a fan base a lot more um, aggressive fan base if you guys if we all are part of a community as opposed to them being the listeners or them being the fans and then me just putting the shit out
1: if you want to pull on the trans community my son's available as well definitely we're both we're both attention horse
0: all right well i appreciate you joining me man let's uh talk soon talk off the mic I, this was a blast dude i like i said i could have gone for another two hours probably because i have a lot more uh things i want to dive into so we'll get you back on the show soon uh but have a good one man i'll talk to you later shalom peace out
3: <laughs> two guys and a josh decided to start their own podcast and they named it pointless discussions it was messy. The jelly kept falling out. Little did they know they would be sucked into a perpendicular universe. Draw me like one of your French girls. I got an Uber on its way. It'll be here in like 15 minutes. Oh yeah, oh yeah, come to Daddy. Now Paul, Mark, and the Josh are tasked with saving our universe.
2: It crossed me, so I ate its heart.
3: Oh, my God, guys,
0: can you believe that we actually got signed to the Los Angeles Eagles? This is fucking crazy. I've never played football a day in my life. Now we're
3: pro football players?
1: Yeah, I just think it's weird that I have to shower with the coach.
3: Well, hey, guys, you're in Diamond Joe's labyrinth. I just want you to know if you don't get out in time, I'm going to eat your children's fingers. Uh, What are we going to do, Mark? Why their fingers? Armed with only podcasting equipment and very, very little intelligence, they must improvise their way through the unknown, with the help of an old, insane time traveler named Ernie Bentley, who was being hunted by a maniac with a baseball bat. Josh, get over here! The raccoon got stuck in the blender
1: on my time machine! What? uh, That's not a
3: raccoon. That's a dog? Meredith, what happened? It's not my blood will they save us every call down put, uh, put the gun down put the gun down oh you know diamond joe wouldn't do anything to hurt you will they make it back to our reality We did have direction direction was no direction hello hello
1: uh,
2: sir sir i'm going last time i'm telling you i'm not a dog
3: oh fancy a cobbly wolf on you, jimmy jam hello Oh, uh, a little bit of, a little bit of in
1: and out you know what i mean
3: mark's gonna be pissed Find out on Pointless Discussions every Tuesday, wherever you listen to podcasts, and on Magic Squirrel Network on Facebook. In the event of my death, I wanted to be known, my safe word was platypus. This podcast is rated R for drug use, harsh language, constant nudity, and an overabundance of stupidity.
0: Greetings, Earthlings. Juice in the Morning here. We are Unpredictable Talk Radio for Indianapolis. If you want to follow us on social media, our Instagram is at Juice in the AM. Our Twitter is at Juice in the AM. You can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Juice in the Morning. If you want to follow us personally, where can we find you, Johnny? If you're on Twitter, you can follow me at jb underscore juice in the AM. If you're on Facebook or Instagram, it's Jonathan D. Boughton. If you can't spell my last name, that's your own fault. And since I am the Juice himself, you can follow me at Juice85OR7 on all social media. Once again, you can find us on podcast apps such as Apple Podcasts, Anchor.fm, Google Play, and you can stream us on Spotify. Time to blast off, and we'll see you in space, bitches.